You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony. Pendulette is a juggler and a magician. He's half of the world-famous Penn and Teller Act. He's the author of the novel Sock. With Teller, he's written Cruel Tricks for Dear Friends, Penn and Teller's How to Play in Traffic, Penn and Teller's How to Play with Your Food, and with Mickey D. Lynn, he wrote How to Cheat Your Friends at Poker, The Wisdom of Dickie Richard, and with Gilbert Gottlieb, he wrote The Bible of Unspeakable Truths. His new book is God Know, Signs You May Already Be an Atheist and Other Magical Tales. Thank you for joining me, Ben. Well, thanks for having me. Penn, this book keys around a three-word slogan. <laughs> there is no God? <laughs> no, I Four. don't know. I don't know. Yeah, that one too. That one too. There's, a, there's been a distortion, and a distortion that was done, I think, on purpose by, uh, by Thomas Huxley. You know, um, Charles Darwin wrote on the origin of the species, and uh, in reading it, uh, he realized he was, uh, he was dealing a, uh, a death blow to the idea of God, really. But he was non-confrontational. He was also had a wife who was the Wedgwood fortune from uh, China. And, uh, I mean, China the dishes, not the place. <laughs> and uh, he, uh, he was really not one to argue. And they found a guy named Thomas Huxley, who I liked. In one small footnote in the biography, it says he was an amateur magician. So I lean on that heavily. He was also loud and aggressive and willing to fight with anybody and anything. Very argumentative. And he went out as Darwin's pit bull to kind of argue the evolution point of view. And uh, <clears throat> he took the word agnostic and used it so we wouldn't have to say the word atheist. It's, it's speculated that the Darwins didn't want him using the word atheist. I don't think anybody knows for sure. But he kind of made up this word agnostic or repurposed it and used it as a wimpy version of the word uh, atheist. And agnostic means I don't know, which is, I think, exactly... Uh, the position to take. You can't really know. It's the only position of humility. And I went on a few interview shows um, and uh, with uh, people who were aggressively religious. And they would ask me, you know, how did people get here? And I would say, I don't know. And I get a lot of uh, flack for that because uh, people on Twitter and science friends of mine said, but, but we do know. We really do know. I mean, evolution really does explain it. And I said, yeah, you know, evolution does explain it. And we do know. But if I were to keep talking to him, <clears throat> at some point, the answer is going to be, I don't know. You know, you can talk about how well the theory works, how it explains all sorts of things. But at some point, you're going to hit a wall. Now, Richard Dawkins is going to hit that wall several days after I hit the wall. But at some point, he's going to say, I don't know. At some point, it's going to, it's going to go down to that. So I like to just go with the I don't know, but the one place I differ from Huxley, and I don't think I really differ, I think he was being a weasel, uh, was if I ask you the question, is there a God? I think the only really sane answer is, I don't know. But if I ask you, do you believe in God? It's a different answer. And that comes from the idea, from me talking to a lot of evangelicals and fundamentalist uh, born-again Christians, that faith is active, belief is active. And I believe in order to believe something, there is some positive action involved. So as when I say, 
is there a God? You say, I don't know. Automatically, when I say, do you believe in God? You must say no. And that's a big part of what I, uh, I lean on in the book is just, I don't know is the position of hum- humility. But once you get to that position of humility, I think we have to take back from Thomas Huxley, who was a hero, but take back the word atheist. Now, one of the things I think that I, I really like uh, about this book is that it's hilarious. It's Perfect. really fun to read and very well written. But, you know, it's also unexpectedly sweet and sentimental. And we get an interesting picture of you as a human being. And as an atheist, you're a complete normal guy. I, <laughs> yeah. I like to see uh, that. And the, that's not the portrait that we often get of people who are, you know, uh, I would say you're a proselytizing atheist in the media. That's not that's not the portrait that people want to have. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, uh, if you want smart books on atheism, if you want smart speakers on atheism, you're not going to do better on kind of a philosophical worldview than Christopher Hitchens. You're not going to do better on science than Richard Dawkins. I mean, if you've got God is not great and you've got, well, uh, you can say the God delusion by Dawkins, but I think I prefer a little bit the blind watchmaker, Um, but all of Dawkins. You've got Hitchens, you've got Dawkins. If you want a personal, uh, powerful uh, memoir, you've got Ian Hirsi Ali with Infidel. Those three books, uh, or those three authors, will give you all the smart, strong, hero points of view on atheism. What I was trying to put across was just the dumb day-to-day, here's a stupid Las Vegas magician living his life godless. You know, here's the relationship he had with his parents. Here's the relationship he has with his children. Here's when he dropped his cock in a blow dryer. You know, it's just, it's just this is the way, you know, Richard Dawkins didn't drop his cock in a blow dryer. He's too smart for that. Hitchens didn't. He's too smart for that. He on her CLE, well, even, the, even her clitoris was cut off by the religious people. So she's got nothing to drop in a blow dryer. So if you want someone who's that dirt dumb, who also doesn't believe in God, I'm your man. I agree wholeheartedly. <laughs> now, um, one of the things I think that's really interesting that this book made me think about was that we have this whole overwhelming part of our lives and uh, of what is really our culture that's called theology. Mm-hmm. And what I love about this book, this is atheology. This is, uh, <laughs> rather than uh, thinking about living with God and what the heck God is and all this, you think about no God. And you take that very seriously. And I think that, you know, the idea of atheology is really important to you and to the continued existence of our culture. What, what really matters is uh, morality. I mean, that is, that is the centerpiece. And I start the book, uh, one of the reasons it's called Signs You May Already Be an Atheist. As I start the book, uh, one of the reasons I use that is uh, because I'm going to talk about the many people who call themselves agnostic, but I believe are just using that weasel word and are really atheists. But the other reason is I have have a simple um, Godonkin thought experiment that comes from the Bible, which is if God, however you perceive him, her, or it, told you, however God communicates with you, whether it's burning bush or through your heart or however. If God told you to kill your child, would you do it? If the answer is no, then in my booklet, 
you're an atheist. At some level, you believe that humanity and morality, what's right, trump your faith. And if the answer is yes, then I, I think you need to reconsider. I think morality is is much much more important and humanity is more important. And, you know, one of the reasons I wrote this book that goes directly to this is, is Glenn Beck. I mean, in a way, Glenn Beck asked me to write this book. Um, How so? Glenn and I disagree on almost everything. Mm-hmm. But we agree very strongly on the marketplace of ideas mm-hmm. and we agree very strongly on morality. And those two things matter. Okay. And, uh, uh, and Glenn also, you know, I went on his show before people, uh, before he had this image as you know, one of the uh, the two minute of hate figures <laughs> in the liberal uh, liberal liberal social group, and we do we just disagree on everything. But he's very open. I mean, there's one point in one of the interviews with me where he starts asking me, uh, "You went to Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey, greatest show on earth, Clown College," and I say, "Yes, I went to Clown College." So uh, you're a Mormon. I went to Clown College. We're both wearing funny underwear, but for different reasons. Um, <laughs> And he can have a laugh with that. He's very, very open about that. We write emails back and forth. I I don't think I've ever hung out with him when we're not on the air. But we Mm. write emails back and forth privately. And uh, Glenn Beck was making this argument on his radio show. And, you know, you have to remember, when you fill up four hours of radio a day, you use up all your radio material pretty fast. That's a rough deal. You know, it's it's Howard. It's, you know, Open Anthony. It's all those guys that do that. Mm -hmm. Filling up a lot of time. You know, Rush Limbaugh does even more. Um, you end up sta- saying stuff. And, and and Glenn was making this argument that's really interesting for a, a, thea- a theist to make. He was making the argument that the Ten Commandments are so powerful and so smart and so correct that they are not really religious, that you can have that morality outside of religion. It's a fascinating argument for a theist to make because it is precisely the argument that Sam Harris makes in The Moral Landscape. Mm-hmm. His whole argument is that morality is outside of religion. And Dawkins, has, Richard Dawkins, has very clearly made the argument that morality is outside of religion. And I make the argument all the time mm-hmm. that morality is more important than and trumps religion. But it's odd for a theist to make that. Because it theists is. make the argument that the only reason we have morality is God. And sometimes uh, I'll be uh, speaking to a group of people and someone will raise their hand and go, um, if there's no God, why wouldn't I just rape and kill everyone? And I say, well, my first answer is, let's get out of the room. <laughs> I want to get away from you <laughs> because there is no God. Um, but the answer is, when people lose God, they don't get less moral. So... Uh, Glenn Beck was kind of monkeying around with this uh, idea that um, morality is outside of uh, religion, which I believe completely. And he asked, he asked his friend Penn Jillette on the radio, he said, could you write the Atheist Ten Commandments? And I wrote that, uh, what became the kind of sort of the spine of the book. And um, Glenn Beck, to his credit, uh, and his strong belief in the marketplace of ideas, uh, took what I wrote, uh, uh, what could be called by some an atheist tract, mm-hmm. you know, and handed it out at all his rallies, all his religious rallies. There was a piece of literature written by me from an atheist point of view. And uh, that became the the backbone of the book because I think that morality, which is so important, how we treat each other, how we love each other, and also so easy, you mm-hmm. know, 
the vast majority of people are good, the vast majority, and naturally good and easily good and, and without without conflict good. It's you not know. rocket science. Yeah, it's just, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't think there are many people that are being held back from killing. No. By, and, but when you say that with God you get everlasting life or you look in some, in some theologies at hell, um, you're saying that people are doing these things for reward and punishment that they're only being good because they want to get into heaven and they're only not being bad to avoid hell. And that's not the case at all. We are good and moral because we like it. It feels better. It's the right thing to do. Well, there are sure as heck enough people who are being pretty darn bad with the hopes of getting into heaven, too. Well, yeah, well, it, it was, it was uh, Wein, uh, Weinberg, the um, astrophysicist, what's his name, who said, um, with or without religion, Good people will do good things and bad people will do bad things. But to make good people do bad things, you need religion. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that makes sense. Now, one of the things that really interested me in this book, that statement you made, was that the Bible is a good path. Reading the Bible is a good path to atheism. Well, it's the quickest path for uh, many people that I know. When I was... uh, about fourteen or fifteen, I was. I went to you know. I went to a youth group um, with a pastor who was very, um, very liberal and progressive, and encouraged us to learn things. And when I was uh, gobbling up uh, the material he was giving out, uh, you know, he suggested reading the Bible. Now, this if his if his job was to bring me into the fold, his mistake was saying read the Bible. You'll notice that most people who preach don't ever tell their constituents to read the Bible. Well, I think reading itself is, a, is an activity <laughs> that is not conducive to faith, to feelings of faith or uh, that, religion. That may, that may be the truth, although we have, you know, we have some wonderful, uh, we have some wonderful scholars who are theists and some wonderful scientists who are theists. Um, uh, it's, it's, not, uh, it's, it's not a question of uh, us versus them and smart versus stupid. There's, there's all levels of atheists, there's all levels of theists, mm-hmm. but um, what they do what your preachers do, what your religious people do, and what most of your religious people do, who, who are we're talking about people who believe in the Bible, you know, mm-hmm. Christians, is they um, cherry pick. They pull stuff out of oh, the yeah. New Testament, the Old Testament, that, that makes their case. And atheists do this too. Atheists will say, well, what about Leviticus, where they raped the daughter and she's cast out? What about the anti-homosexual things? What about killing people for working on Sunday? What about da 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 Everybody cherry picks. And they also repurpose. I mean, um, the Bible was written, uh, the King James Version of the Bible was written uh, to be antique and hard to understand at the time it was translated, which whatever that was, 16, whatever, um, Shakespeare's time. Um, Do I have that right? Yeah, I think so. They uh, wrote it to be antique language at that time. Now, when when I used to read the Bible, I used to think that the language I was reading was the language that was current at the time of translation. That's not true. They tried to make it sound a little goofy and a little special. But all the same, it is English. And all the same, you can read it from beginning to end. And without someone holding your hand, uh, seeing the horrible cruelty, seeing the genocide that's not only condoned but commanded by God, seeing the pain and suffering, you have really, in my mind, two very easy choices. One is... It's simply not true uh, that it was was written for the reasons of man, you know, political reasons, all sorts of others, not entirely pure reasons. 
And the other possibility is that every word of it is true, which seems very unlikely. But if it were that case, I think we'd have to fight against that God. I mean, the God is immoral of it's perceived in the Bible. He's, uh, he's capricious. Uh, he has an incredible uh, cruelty. He has an incredibly uh, childlike uh, sense of demanding uh, to create creatures that he's supposed to love and then put them through such torment. Uh, seems uh, completely beyond the understanding of, of humans. If humans so, behave like that, they would be condemned by the very religion that... <laughs> yeah, that, exactly, that exactly. Uh, so I think that um, it's a really good thing to do. I mean, I guess I've read the Bible three times from cover to cover. Really? And uh, I've read it you know, twice as, uh, as a youth and uh, then, then again since then. And I, I probably should read it again. You know, I, I, I carry it around on, uh, on my uh, iBook. And I look at it, uh, uh, my iPad, I look at it now and again. Just as time-consuming. It takes a while. Uh, you know, they did that wonderful study, what, it was about a year ago, maybe a little less, where they, uh, where they, where they quizzed atheists and theists on the Bible. And atheists had you know, tremendously more knowledge of religion than theists, which is, which is in a, in a very, was presented as surprising information, but really isn't at all, I don't think. No. Now, uh, one of the things that you also talk about is uh, you want people to proselytize, especially the most religious among us. I, uh, I, I think that's important. I think that that, that kind of passion, you don't want to confuse, uh, you don't want to condemn the passion just because they're wrong. Uh, pushing for what you believe in, in a peaceful and legal way, I don't want to ever condemn. I mean, I believe that the that the solution to bad speech is more speech, mm-hmm. and putting that on Terry Gross is exactly what should be done. Mm-hmm. Um, putting that everywhere is exactly what should be done. I did. I mean, I, I saw. I saw. I had kind of a uh, an epiphany, if I may use that word. I just happened. To, I don't watch very much television at all, but it was it was on in the airport, you know. And I'm sitting there, and I look up from what I'm reading, and Rick Perry came on CNN and I went oh that's that's our next president just hit me that 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 you know Bush oh, no. Bush gave us Obama Obama will give us Rick Perry I mean it's just uh, it just seemed it seemed as day follows night you know even though uh, no as night follows day you know, okay yeah, I guess you're right um, uh, what is the uh, what is the guy's name uh, from Colorado the ambassador of China uh, Huntsman 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 did you? Uh, I didn't see this, but I was told uh, that he, Huntsman was on uh, was on uh, was on um, uh, what what Pierce Morgan? I think he was on Pierce Morgan. Really? Pierce asked him about the running his vice on the vice presidential ticket, and he said, "If Michelle Bachman came to you and asked you to, uh, she was the presidential candidate, and she asked you to be the vice presidential candidate." Do you think you could make beautiful music together? And Huntsman said, uh, are you talking about Captain Beefheart music? So we had a serious political contender uh, referencing Captain Beefheart and in the proper way. And a friend wrote to me and said, you know, uh, he's a Republican. And I said, you know, I like to think of myself as thinking a little bit about 
politics. I like to think of myself as having an informed opinion, but maybe just mentioning Captain Beefheart is enough to get my vote. Maybe that, maybe Huntsman mentioning Captain Beefheart is absolutely enough. I don't know. But, uh, but the proselytizing part, I just think... Uh, You're out there doing that now. That's what this is, and I'm really glad to see it. it we need people showing the world that atheists are reasonable. They love their family. Well, there's, there's, there's a funny thing that's happened uh, th- that I've noticed, and I, you know, I can't back this up. I, I may be making it up. There are, there's a lot of information that says that when, um, when 9-11 happened, horrible, you know, the worst tragedy on American soil, there were all these news stories that came out about people going to churches for solace and so on. And that's, that's fine. Those, what, what else are they going to say? But it turns out now, from a lot of studies, that what it was happening then was, you know, um, I think it's Richard Dawkins that called uh, called 9/11 a faith-based initiative. Uh, we certainly cannot doubt that the that the that the horrible criminals who perpetrated that were um, were religious, and it's hard to doubt their faith. They were willing to die for what they believed, and they were well educated. What we really saw was a lot of people abandoning faith after 9-11 and going towards atheism. And uh, what I've noticed is um, 20 years ago, atheists were really strident, really aggressive, really unpleasant. Mm. And the religious were kind of um, powerful and gentle. And when you saw... We go back to the 60s, Madeline Murray O'Hare battling against religious people. She she was the crazy one. She was the wide-eyed, screaming one. And the other side was kind of sedate. And in in a few things, I've noticed lately that that's reversed completely. Since 9-11, the atheists, when they speak, uh, tend to be uh, measured, slow, comfortable, amiable, happy, and the religious seem wild-eyed and crazy and clawing. Now, there's no science on this. This is just me talking poetically. And it's just my point of view. And I, I don't think there's any chance it's true. I mean, I don't think if you measured it, it's really true. But I feel that what we're seeing now with the, the Rick Perry canvassing and something is the death throes. You know, people saying we can no longer be tolerant is, is a group of people who are afraid. Mm-hmm. And they're afraid not of hell. But they're afraid of um, gentle logic and loving life. I mean, uh, atheism is always stated in the negative, and uh, that's just the way the culture did it. It's like our our television program, Penn and Teller bullshit on Showtime, was um, everything was stated negative. But the real show was just a pro science, pro humanity show, and atheism is exactly that. It's always stated as a negative, and yet they're starting, and, I, and I'm. I push for this so much. It's starting to vibe out in a really positive way because what atheism really says, in a nutshell, is everything in this world is enough and the love for my family and friends and other humans is the love that I need. You can't have a more positive statement than that. When I spend time with my children and they smile and they run and they sit on my lap and we swim together and play together, I cannot imagine, even imagine, a world that's better than that. And when I see people who have families, have families who talk about 
this life being a veil of tears, and we, then we cross over into paradise, I, I, I just feel such a tremendous sadness for them. Why can't you feel the love from your children and your family right now? Why can't you experience the wonderful art that we have? Why can't you see all the glory and the beauty of humanity right here? Why are you reaching for a sky grifter? You know, why, why, why is there that there? Why isn't this enough? And I will always say to people who, especially when they get um, strident and unpleasant about their religion, I always say to them, I, I, I hope you find a way to experience enough real love right here that, uh, that you don't need to be grabbing at this love that you can't even describe or see or feel. Or You know, there's a great quote that Tim Minchin has um, where, you know, one of the arguments you'll often see is uh, when you say there's no evidence of God, people will come back to you and say, well, there's no evidence of love. You can't prove love either. And Tim mentioned had this wonderful phrase where he said, love without evidence is called stalking. <laughs> it's not love. We do have evidence of love. And I can, I can, I can introduce you to my children, and they, they will give you demonstrative, uh, you know, they will demonstrate their, uh, uh, their love very easily. And I think that we're not going to change the word atheist, and there is the problem that it is, it is stated as a negative, which is always going to be very sloppy. And I would like that word to go away. I would like the word atheist to just mean human, you know, just human. humanist is yeah. what is really sure. That's that's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. And yet, humanist still historically seems to me to be a dodge. Right. I mean, I guess in almost every way you can imagine, I'm a humanist. But uh, it feels like that's kind of a pussy word. It feels yeah, like that's you, a little like very, agnostic. That's if if you have a, a a doctrinal approach, it's you do not want to use any of the pussy words. <laughs> that, that's true. That's true. There's so many dodges. You know, the free thinker. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like you know I like the words like atheist, infidel, you know, godless, heathen. I, I want to grab those words. You know, there's nothing more American, and I won't speak of of the obvious case, because uh, because I am uh, Caucasian, so I won't speak of the obvious case. But I will speak of the the best historic case, you know, which is Yankee. You know, uh, I love the grabbing the word that's used negatively and embracing it and loving it. Uh, Yankee Doodle, you know, uh, the British saying Yankee Doodle came to town riding on his pony in order to uh, to uh, ridicule and uh, attack the Americans. And uh, the early Americans took it as their fight song and then called themselves Yankees. And the idea that uh, we're a culture that takes the word that's used to insult us the most, you know, Yankee, and totally embraced it and turned it into a positive. And, of course, the other examples that I can speak to are, are nerd and mm-hmm. geek, which are totally embraced and used as a positive. And I would love to see that happen with, uh, with atheism, too. And we, I think with uh, books like yours, we certainly will. I've been speaking with Penn Gillette. His new book is God No. Thank you for joining me, Penn. Thanks a lot. Pleasure. You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony.